Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by The Afterlight Institute. The Afterlight Institute is a community of teachers and students seeking to expand their spiritual gifts and their inner wisdom on the road to illuminating their forgotten selves. Offering online courses, in-person retreats, live events, online expositions, and more, the Afterlight Institute is a safe and inclusive space for all. To learn more, head to theafterlightinstitute.com. Lauren Grace here and welcome to the show. And I'm joined today by counselor and clairvoyant Paul Fenton Smith. He's the author of 12 books on personal development. Paul has studied tarot card reading, astrology, psychic development, clinical hypnotherapy and counseling, and combining these into his private practice. Paul received a diploma of clinical hypnotherapy in 86, studied counseling in 92, and received a graduate diploma in counseling in 2016 from the Western the University of Western Sydney. He also studied meditation and intuitive development in the UK in 1991. Aside from his teaching commitments at the Academy, Paul runs a busy private practice in Sydney as a clairvoyant, a counselor and hypnotherapist and conducts courses internationally. Through practicing and teaching intuitive studies for more than 40 years, Paul encourages his clients and students to believe only what they see or experience for themselves. Paul is joining me today for the second time on the show, and today we've narrowed the focus down from his incredible repertoire of information and knowledge to tarot. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for being here again. Thanks, Lauren. It's good to be here. So I hate to put you on the spot right away, but I'm going to do it. Is it tarot or is it tarot? It's tarot. It's uh, from, um, originally was a game, and still played actually in Italy called Tarocchi. And um, uh, the French adaption of that was tarot with a, with a, uh, without the T, without the T sounded at the end. Yeah. Very good. I always, you know, have a little chuckle to myself when I hear people pronounce it tarot and, you know, that's fine. They can do that. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was yeah. worth asking, <laughs> asking yeah. the question off the bat. So I know in our last episode, we had so many things that we discussed. It was a fabulous conversation on intuition and psychic development. And for our listener at home, I'll put a link to that episode here in the show notes. So you can go and listen to it if you haven't already. In that episode, Paul, you did sort of allude to how you originally got into tarot but before um you know if our listener at home hasn't already listened to that episode maybe you could kind of take us there again and tell us a little little bit about how you got into tarot and and what sort of attracted you to that medium okay so i was originally a palmist i studied palmistry in 1978 in adelaide and i moved to sydney in 1980 and i got a job in 1984 uh working was actually full-time 10 hour days six days a week in a little tiny shop in just off King's Cross in Sydney. So it's a nighttime gig. It was four in the afternoon till two in the morning, 10 hours a day for six days. And I worked alongside a tarot reader and I was the palmist. And uh, I noticed firstly that because tarot is good for short term, next two year type of readings, more people want that than they want palmistry. So the average person will have two palm readings in their life if they're interested in, in having readings. The average tarot client might have 30 to 50, you know, uh, because uh, tarot is really good when you've got urgent decisions to make. Should I buy this car? Is it wise to invest in my business now? Is this the right relationship for me? You know, and um, and out of sheer boredom, some nights we'd have nobody all night. So we'd, we'd have 10 hours to have a conversation. And he, he offered to teach me the tarot. And I said, no, look, if I come back next week and I shuffle the cards, I'm going to get different cards. How does that work? You know? And so um, after a while, he started telling me the meanings of the cards. And just I just started listening. I thought this is interesting. He was telling stories and I love stories. In fact, most people love stories. Mm-hmm. And um, after about six or eight weeks of this, he said, listen, I'm going to lay some cards out. If that was the past and that was the present, that was the near future and that was the outcome, um, could you tell me a story? And I think I'm pretty good with stories. So I started telling him a story and he said, that's great. That's just, that's outlined my life at the moment. I said, no, 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 I'm just telling you a story. He said, no, according to these, these cards, this is what's happening in my life. And, and you've said it. And I can tell you from what you said about the past and the present, that's already happening. You know? And I thought, whoa, it's interesting. And then I had it proved the other way. Uh, I had, a lady came in and she had a reading on a Sunday afternoon at about 3.45, 4 o'clock. 
and I heard him say, uh, the dark-haired man's left you. Uh, there's going to be a period of grieving. Uh, there'll be a, a fair-haired man coming, and he's a bit softer, a bit kinder, not as charismatic, but he's a nice guy to be with, you know? And then she came back another six or seven times. So it was like seven, eight readings every Sunday, one every Sunday for about eight weeks. Wow. And uh, seven weeks or so. And um, I heard him say the same thing over and over again behind the curtain. I'm, I was started thinking, is this the one story? He's got like five or six stories and he rotates them around according to the client. But actually, I, it occurred to me by week three, that is the same woman. I recognize that coach, you know? And um, after six or seven weeks, she stopped coming and, and we couldn't work out what it was. He said, either the fair haired man's arrived and she's relaxed now or uh, she's over the anxiety of the loss of the past. And so she doesn't need to hear that she's got faith that, that I'll love again, you know, or um, she's run out of money. It's very simple, you know? And, um, and I thought, wow, it's interesting that somebody would come back with her eyes closed with her non-writing hand, selecting seven cards from a deck that's face down on the table that she's shuffled and he's shuffled and she's, she's picking up the same cards. You know, not not exactly the same cards, but very similar cards. And there's only one of each card in the 78 card deck, you know, and mm. um, just it was just amazing. So then I realized maybe there's something in this. And then I was interested to learn. And so then we spent about eight, 10 months together working in that in that place in the in uh, a little tiny shoebox of a place. And, um, and then we went our separate ways. And I taught him palmistry and he taught me the tarot. It was good. I love that. And I love that story. One of the things that I, I'm, well, there's so many questions I'm going to ask you about. I mean, I'm curious to know whether or not people can in fact touch your tarot decks. I'm curious to know whether or not the tarot is ever wrong. You know, how does it work exactly? Is it magic? Let, let's jump in. Let's jump in. The tarot can be wrong. Tarot can be wrong often. And I'll tell you some of the reasons why. When people ring up and they're in the eye of the storm. So uh, Marianne rings and Bob's just left. They've broken up. She's upset. Of course she's upset. She's in the eye of the storm, okay? Mm. That's not the time to have a reading, you know? So I always say to students when I'm teaching in advanced classes, look, if you've got a space that day, uh, you treat it as a counselling session if you, if you let Marianne come to see you that day. Otherwise, put her off for a few days because she might get some clarity and then know what she wants to ask. Because in the eye of the storm, like Bob's just left, she's thinking it's only Bob. Bob's the only person that's going to make me happy. And we've all been there, you know, thinking now the person who's just left is the only person that I'll, I'll never love again, you know. And, um, and there comes a time when you do, you know, and hopefully there comes a time when you do again, you know. And, uh, and so that's one thing. If people have got an outcome they really desired, a really strong desire, I want to have this job, I want to be offered this, then they're going to influence the cards as well. And sometimes people are just getting to denial about things. I was reading for a while back, she was in the accounts department of a large organization and she had had her eye on a promotion and the guy had just left and she wanted to know, would she be offered this position? And I said, no, it doesn't look like it. And uh, she said, oh no, I've worked hard for this. And I, I'm sure she had. And I said, no, you haven't seen the bigger picture. The bigger picture is this company is in talks with another company for a merger. You're about to be taken over. 40 to 50% of the people in your department will be made redundant in the next eight to 10 weeks. So you've got an eight week notice to get out and find another job. You know, you, you're ahead of everybody else. Otherwise you're competing with all the people in your department. And, um, and so she said, wow, that's not good. Okay. So I'm not going to get the promotion then. And she just kept coming back to this promotion. I said, it won't be there. That job's not going to be filled, you know? And and that was it. She left thinking, well, I'm a bit dis disappointed. I might go and find somebody who will tell me that I'm going to get that job. Yeah. Well, she did email me a few months later saying, I'm in a new job. And yes, we were made redundant. You know, she didn't get out ahead of it. She just let it happen. You know? and, uh, yeah. and that's where um, you've got free will. But I mean, being fatalistic doesn't pay sometimes. You know? And yeah. so if, you're, if you've got a desire for an outcome, uh, readers who read for themselves do that all the time. You know, uh, so tarot readers who do a quick card, a one card cut for something. One card cuts are good if you want to know, should I have the macchiato or the, or the uh, uh, long black? It's not for, is it wise for me to invest uh, $10,000 in cryptocurrency? You know? um, <laughs> you know, for that, you use the whole layer. And for that, you ask somebody else who's objective. You don't ask yourself. And uh, for those sort of things, I normally say to students, if you do a layout for yourself, you're asking about something, say, we're getting builders in at the moment. So uh, I've got a quotes from painters. So we put down some cards for different painters. Who, which one is the most suitable painter for us, uh, for our pergola, okay? And so um, we've got the cards out there. I then take a photograph of, of them, and then I go out and type up the names of the, uh, of the painters, and I put the images with, uh, with each uh, painter so I know which card meant which one. So if I go back 
and look three months later if the, if the project's delayed and I can't remember what I what I said what I found in the cards it's there I've got a record mm, well, yeah. that's so interesting and uh, yeah so yes uh, it's uh, and also I read alongside a reader years ago in a, in a, um, in a store and his process was to shuffle the deck and put every single card down and talk about it. Now, if I tell you there's a blonde-haired man, dark-haired man, uh, red-headed man, and a um, shy man, and if you go through all the list of everybody, it's going to be true. But there's going to be a lot of weeding out that people have to do. That's yeah. not accuracy. That's not precision. Yeah. You know? And when I saw that, I just thought, oh, no, that's, that's just who taught him this? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so what a reader's job is, um, because every card has many meanings, when you get the cards on the, in a layout on the table, your job as a reader is to say, I'm going to eliminate all these meanings because I think today this means this. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that's, and it sounds easy, but it can take you a thousand readings to get to that point where you can do that clearly. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was basically around, well, there, there's a bunch of things here. So I guess I'll just go with, you were just talking about reading for yourself. So I know that my for myself, the first tarot deck that I got was the Rider Waite deck. And I got it when I was like 13 and, you know, I was using it yeah. and everything. And it sort of scared me. And I know I was young at the time, yeah. but I think that they kind of set me up for a little bit of fear in relation to tarot, only because yeah. sometimes the messages from tarot are really intense. And when you're reading for yourself, I think like you were talking about earlier, it's really hard to be objective. So I guess I'm kind of wondering, you know, I do want to find out in a few minutes about the difference between tarot and oracle for our listener at home who may not be familiar with that. And feel free to throw that into this answer if you'd like. But one of the questions that I do have is sort of about, you know, can you actually read for yourself and how can you use tarot in a way that you know it's giving you an accurate point of view as opposed to influencing it to show you what you want it to see or even seeing something that's not really there let's say okay that's a good point and that comes back to being objective with your own life and that's really hard to do and yeah. i say it someone uh, reviewed uh, my advanced tarot book online recently and they said uh, he's very old-fashioned he says you shouldn't read for yourself well everybody does well i agree with that when i'm running an advanced class i say can i have a show of hands of who agrees with me that you shouldn't read for yourself because you can't really be objective. And all the hands go up. And then I say, uh, can I have a show of hands of who's read for themselves in the last 30 days? And all the hands go up. <laughs> so everybody knows the rules and everybody's breaking them. Yeah. You know. So all I say is tr- tr- give yourself a chance to be objective. So if you ask a question, say if I put, uh, I use a seven card lap. So if I put seven cards down for a question about something and uh, I look, usually what readers do, they'll go straight to the answer and the outcome. Well, if you ordered a five-course meal, would you just eat um, the uh, the uh, entree and the dessert? You'd eat the main course, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, know, it's, it's, you, you can't leave cards out. So what I do in those situations is I leave, the, if, it's, if, I'm, if it's not a client day, I'll leave the cards in position on the table for 24 hours. So every time I come into my office to get something or do something, walk past the table, I look and think, oh, I didn't see that card. Ah, there are three reversals there. And there are four twos in this layout. Now, four twos, that's decisions. And, and you're, looking at, you're looking at things, layers and layers of things that you didn't see the first time because you're in a hurry to get to the answer. No? Um, being in a hurry doesn't work. It's that old uh, Groucho Marx joke. My band can play the minute waltz in 53 seconds. You know? I mean, how's that a benefit? You know? <laughs> um, so um, when people read for themselves, they cut corners. And I've seen, I had a, co-tenant years ago he grabbed my deck and he was asking question after question after question until he got the blank card i keep a blank card of the deck it's like the blank room and um he got it about five times in a row he said this is annoying i said what why don't you ask this question have i asked too many questions of the cards today up comes the ace of swords well, that says yes give them back to me no i grabbed them back he asked 36 questions with one card cards at the end he couldn't remember if he'd asked this question or, or, or not before and what what the cards were it was all just a blur you know so it's not a toy and people treat it like a toy sometimes. And that's when people sometimes get their fingers a little bit burned, you know? Yeah, that's so interesting. Paul, I actually have never heard of having a blank card in a tarot deck. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, my teacher put it in there. It's very hard to get them these days. Um, you can actually buy uh, blank decks these uh, from, from some suppliers with the right away back, you know, the, the blue crisscross pattern on the back. And um, I use them sometimes when I'm teaching advanced courses for uh, when we're going to give an intuitive reading. We answer a client asks a student volunteer asks a question. We answer the question, and all the cards are facing down on the table while we answer the question. 
And then uh, at the end, people say, how do we know if we're right? And I turn them all over and they're all blank. And I, say, I say, you don't. Because in real life, when the client leaves, you don't know if you're right. Yeah, because you could give them a reading. They could go and change everything based on what you say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're, you're a witness for a day. You don't know all about the client. You, you, you can't see all the things that have shaped the person, you know. Um, it's, it's, even if you knew someone, if you live with them for five years, you still don't know all their history. You still don't know all the things that shaped them, you know. There are many layers to people. So what you get, what you see on the day is depends on lots of things, really. It depends on how clear you are on the day, how centred you are, uh, what state the client's in. Because if the client's really anxious about something, all their focus is going to be on that. And that's when a recording is really important because uh, five, seven months later, they might think that problem's over now. What was the rest of the reading about? They can go back and listen to it and say, oh, you mentioned this and he also mentioned that. You know, things they didn't hear on the day because it wasn't relevant to the issue that they, uh, they'd come for. You know? Yeah, exactly. Do you think, is there a right or wrong way to read tarot? I mean, some people read reverse cards and some people don't. For a listener at home, you know, an upright card yeah. is it's upright and yeah. a reverse card is it's reverse so is there a right or wrong way to do that it's one of those strange things because um some people say there are enough cards to give you shades of gray when all the cards are upright i don't agree with that um if i was going to invest say you're going to buy a house and you know, in this town it's you, you no change out of a million and a half um for a, for an average house so if you're going to invest that sort of money or you're going to borrow that sort of money for 25 30 years you know at high interest you know um you want to know that the cards are absolutely accurate because a ten of wands upright is very different to a ten of wands reversed. You know, ten of wands upright, you're burdened, but you're going to get where you need to go. Ten of wands reversed, you're burdened, and you're probably going to drop your burdens and repeat the pattern. You know, that's very different. You know, and um, and also some cards are better cards reversed. All the fives in the tarot, which is the hierophant and all the uh, minor arcana fives, are better cards when they're reversed. You know, and, oh. and also four or five of the swords cards uh, are better reversed. You know, um, the uh, the tower cards are more positive card reversed. You know, so up, upright the tower card can be a sudden accident, injury, lightning strike, lottery win, something sudden, and reversed it's happening to somebody else. You're standing next to them. You know, and uh, it didn't hit you, and so you're still in shock, but you're not the one that got fried by the lightning. You know, <laughs> so that's not it. Can't be quite as bad. You know, and so. I think it's important to read with reverse cards, but it, it's it's a person's choice, you know. If they were if they learned with upright meanings only, and that works for them, then it works. They'll find a way to make that work, you know. Right. Um, all I would say is because uh, there's a, a very big trend at the moment for getting your cards out and just being intuitively reading intuitively. I think it's important to know the basic meanings of all the cards. It's like before you can play jazz, you need to know what notes are in the C, uh, C um, key of C and what's in the key of D. And then you know what chords they are. And you need to do all your basic work before you can start to play jazz. When you're reading tarot, are you also using your psychic abilities or are you just reading the cards? Yeah. Okay, so you're doing both. I, I do. I, I call it a tarot clairvoyance reading. It's a combination of the two uh, yeah. because you'll get to a point where uh, a client will say, um, uh, I'm not sure about this person. So then I just need to intuitively step in and have a look and give you a bit closer a description to, of the person, nature, car, home, something about them, you know? Um, and then the person says, oh, yeah, okay, that's Brad. All right, got it now, you know? Mm. And, uh, and they move on from there. And so you, you're stepping in and out when you need to. Um, and occasionally in a reading, I can see a habit that's getting in the person's way and I'll, I'll intuitively ask, can you show me where this habit began? You know, and they'll go back to some trauma or some situation. I'll just say, do you remember when you were 12 and this happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or sometimes I don't, you know. And sometimes people can't remember what they're doing in February this year if it's, you know, if it's late in the year because uh, just the way memory works sometimes, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, again, why recording is necessary because you, it's the throwaway lines. You throw away, just you throw in the line and let it go. Those things can sometimes uh, be very important later when the client comes back. They say, I've got a question about something you said. And, of course, I often look at them and say, what did I say? I've got no idea. You know, I remember faces, but my policy is when the client gets up from the table and walks away, I forget all the information. I have to because when the next client sits down, I can't be thinking about the last one. How do you do that when you have a policy and you go to forget that? Is that an agreement that you have with your guides? Different people do it in different ways. I've got one uh, colleague of mine who will go out and have a glass of water. That's just sip half a glass, you know, uh, out of the room, let the room go, let all that stuff go, have a glass of water, come back, sit down again. Uh, sometimes I'll go out into the garden and dust myself down just to clear away the energy of the last person. 
I sometimes, if I think that a particular client's going to be really difficult, I'll leave a gap. I won't have a client straight after that. You know? And maximum, I'll only see three people in a row. Then I have a gap of a couple of hours for lunch. And then I see a few more and that's it. I, I'm not working all day, day and night. You know? I haven't got the energy for that. It, takes, it looks like it's easy. You sit down, you have a conversation. You can sip tea as, you, as you're talking. You know? And um, that's, that's the way it looks if you're looking from a distance. But well, actually, you're doing a lot of different work because you're analyzing cards. You're reading the client to see, can I tell them this? Uh, how do they want it to, to be uh, uh, delivered? Because if you look at the four suits of the tarot, different people like it different ways. So the ones people like it straight up. Just give, me the, give, me the, give it to me warts and all, you know? I'll cope with it, you know? And the cups people, you can upset them very quickly and easily. They're, they're quite fragile. So you've got to slow yourself down and uh, think about softer ways of saying that because sometimes they've got vivid imaginations and they're uh, kings and queens of worst-case scenarios. So if you say, this may not turn out to be your ultimate relationship in their mind, it's, oh, my God, it's going to turn out terribly. You know? We're all going to end up down a well, starving to death. You know? And uh, you just the, the leap is very quick. You know? And for swords people, uh, you need to be quick because if you're not quick, they're going to do all the talking. And I had them, they sit down, they say, look, I heard my recording from last time. I did all the talking, so this time you can do all the talking. And then they start off again two minutes into it and they do all the talking again. You know? And uh, they can't help themselves. And pentacles people, practical, sensible, moderate. And so you need to outline everything for the beginning. So for these people, I say, we're going to go for an hour today. Uh, what I'm going to do is we'll start with a general reading and we'll go into your questions one by one. Now, if you've got a list there, that's good. If not, here's the menu. You can have a look at the menu and you can pick uh, five questions from the menu. But I say up to five questions because if we're quick, we'll get through six. If we're slow, we'll get through three or four. You know, because pentacles people like it moderately and slowly. So sometimes I only get through three questions in an hour, you know. And, um, and so the different approaches, um, in fact, what I normally do is I describe the five types of readers to advanced students and I say, which one would you like to have a reading from? And they all tell me their, their favourite type and I say, that's what you are as a reader. Your favourite type is the type you are. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because they're relating to you in the same way. So, yeah, so the ones readers are coaching you, motivating you. You can do this. Have you read this book? Have you done such and such? Uh, ring me when you've done it. I'll loan you this, you know. They're trying to get you moving forward. That's me. Saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the cuts people are saying, oh, that's terrible. That's hot. Oh. And, and he said, he said, oh, that's, oh, that's awful. And they give you a big hug, you know, you think, oh, someone understands, you know. And that's a powerful thing. When someone's listening and someone understands, um, they're not offering you any solutions, but you feel like now I can find my own solution. Someone's heard mm. me, you know. And that's a powerful thing, you know. Um, and then the swords people, they love strategies. So you give them five or six different strategies. You can recommend six books and they'll start all six of them but not finish any of them because they're very phasey people, you know. And, um, and in the end, I'll have recommended three books to you on the way up the door, you know. It's just the way it is. Um, and uh, for Pentacles people, it's got to be structured. It's got to be moderate. So firstly, for Pentacles people, any, anything you, any tool you give me or any method you give me to make things better can't interfere with my income stream, mm. you know, because they understand money equals choices. If I have first, take care of the money, then you've got a good life. That's so interesting. I know that tarot is made up of major and minor arcanas as well. And you've talked about, you know, yeah. some of the elements. Tell me a little bit about what kind of information you can get from those sort of category of card. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's two packs in one. The minor arcana is 56 cards, equivalent to the playing cards, basically. It's, uh, instead of the playing cards, playing cards have a king, queen, and jack. Uh, the the uh, minor arcana of the tarot has a king, queen, and knight, which is the jack, and a page, his little sister. You know? and, um, and so there are four suits. The four suits represent four paths in life, four approaches to life. So the ones people are passionate, enthusiastic, they're in sales and marketing of the business, you know, rah, 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 let's go. They're coaches, they're sports people, they're, uh, they're, the, they're voted most likely to um, uh, get arrested at, at, at a party, you know, that sort of thing. They just take things too far, you know, but they're fun. Okay. Then the cups people are soft, sensitive, creative. These are the people doing your art design for your website. They're doing, uh, taking photographs of you and your family. They're the people talking about, let's make some memories. They're very sentimental. And the swords people, they're the networkers. In business, they could be anywhere, but you wouldn't put them in the accounts department because they get bored. And then all of a sudden, they're starting to bill you from their own account uh, so they can have two streams of income from one business, you know? Um, so uh, swords people, great networkers, uh, great teachers, great uh, communicators, uh, great negotiators. 
So my son's a swords uh, person. When he was small, if he was getting into trouble for something, he'd negotiate a lighter sentence. You haven't hit me yet. Okay, all right. Okay, so do you remember that time when you accused me of something and you were wrong? Well, I want to cash that in now. I'm thinking, well, what's there to cash in? I apologize for that. <laughs> oh, but really? Yeah, I know you apologize for it, Dad, but now you can show me that you meant it. I'm thinking, wow. This, yeah, so these sort of people... Um, they either get themselves elected or they're lawyers or they're just, they're just negotiate everything, you know? And uh, mind you, he got a bit of it back. When he, was, when he was about four, I introduced him to sushi for the first time in a Japanese restaurant. And he had that look of, he was looking at nori rolls, you know, the rice rolls. Mm. And um, he was looking a little bit like, I mm, don't know if I look a bit squeamish. And he said, where is this from? I said, it's from Japan. And uh, the kids have it in school lunches, but not the young kids. The young kids are not allowed to have it. You've got to be 12 or older to be allowed to have this. And suddenly he wanted it. I'm four. I can have what the 12-year-olds have. And he's not throwing them down. He's happy having some of mine off my plate. And he's thinking, this is good. This is, I like these, you know. And it's that sense of I'm, I'm having something I'm not, I'm not eligible for, you know. And I was just reminding him that he's lucky that he's not in Japan. Now, I've made it up, of course. He's going to find out at some stage. But uh, <laughs> it's a nice introduction to, you know, to the Japanese cuisine, you know. And so that's the sorts. You work through ideas for them. And for the Pentacles, people slow to warm up, slow to new things. These are the people who, I like this suit, so I'm going to see if I can uh, buy another one exactly the same. I don't make them. I'm going to see if someone's got one secondhand that's uh, unworn uh, online, or I'm going to see if I can get someone to make me one that looks just like this one. You know, those, those, and they're the people you want as your doctor, your dentist, your mechanic, because they're reliable, they're in the one place, they're there for a long time. I give the example of my dentist years ago saying, my assistant left and she's, she's, it's a pity because she'd only just settled in, you know, she's only been here uh, 23 years. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> if that's settling in, that's the longest probation period I've ever heard, you know, and that's the Pentacles people. I'm just warming up to her. I know her now. She's part of the framework. And so uh, that's the minor arcana. Minor arcana essentially tells you what's happening. You're buying a house, you're, you're changing jobs, you're doing a renovation, you're having a new baby, uh, you're starting a new relationship, all the physical things that make up a life. And the major arcana cards, 22 cards, zero to 21, they're numbered. Um, they tell you why it's happening. What's the spiritual lesson underneath this? What's the sp uh, spiritual development opportunity in that? And uh, or what's the theme? And so if you're looking for themes in people's lives, you look for them in the major arcana cards. If you're looking for activities in people's lives and actions, you're looking for them in the minor cards. Mm. And so when you put them together, it's a powerful combination. And I think that's what's missing if you just have a, a playing card reading. And that's what's different about oracle cards because the tarot is based on the Kabbalah. It's got a, a very powerful system underpinning it. And when I look at oracle cards, I don't see that. I'm not saying people haven't, haven't got systems in them because I haven't looked at enough of them. But I just feel like it's nice to have all these possibilities wrapped into one deck. But it, where's the system? Where's the fundamental theme? Because in life, there are fundamental themes. And I keep going back to when I'm teaching uh, advanced courses of knowing the four suits and knowing the types of people that we're dealing with, you know, the wands, cups, swords, and pentacles, because they're everywhere. You know? And so instead of saying this card means this, I ask students to look at the other way around. A child's having a hissy fit in the shopping center, screaming because mummy won't buy me the chocolate. Oh, I saw a chocolate frog, I'm not getting it, and now I'm going to have a big temper tantrum. Now, what card is that? What, which child is that? Which, which of the four pages is that child? You know? and sword? So you look at every time you see a scene. Yeah. So, well, uh, swords, no. Swords have been negotiating. A wand will be right, throwing a tantrum, right. or cups, cups will be crying. Yeah, 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 cups will be crying. So uh, the, uh, the wands kids, and also the wands kids are a bit cheeky. They'll just whack it at the bottom of the uh, um, um, the trolley and she won't even see it. So she's busy packing things and suddenly there's a chocolate frog going in there. You know? Yeah, so they're trying it on essentially. And Pentacles people think, okay, if you won't give me a chocolate frog, I need an income source so I can buy my own. So I never have to ask her again. And that's the, the Pentacles kids are the kids at eight to 10 years of age have their first job. By 14, they're working uh, 20 hours a week at McDonald's or somewhere they're, uh, and they're studying still. And they're, and they're the people that, that understand Money is, is essential to making a life work. Mm. And it sounds dull, and, uh, but when you've been let down by a negative wrongs person who's promised you the earth and delivered you nothing but a bunch of flowers that you had to pay for in the end, you know, uh, because he didn't have any money on him at the time, um, then, then that pentacles practicality and support, it's a powerful thing. That means your kids go to a nice school, your car starts every time, first time, you know, and electricity is never cut off, mm. you know. Paul, can you be born as a specific suit and then change over time? Well, you could develop some of the qualities of the other suits, but I think that when you're under pressure, that shows you what type you are. 
Mm. You know, so um, if uh, if someone's if things get overwhelming, um, well, I'll give you an example of that. The, the three re uh, obvious reactions when during a sudden shock, you can freeze. You got flight, fight, and uh, freezing. Okay, so um, a flight is running away, obviously. Uh, fighting is, is staying there and defending yourself, and freezing is just when people just they don't know what to do. They just choke, you know. And I've got three younger sisters, and I remember I didn't, I wasn't there for it, but one of them was telling me this later. My brother used to tease him, older brother, and it was a summer night. And they were coming back from some event, and they were walking up the street at our, uh, at our um, home, and um, he stood in a bush waiting for them. And when they got right up next to the bush, he leapt out of them, and they had the three different reactions. So the older sister froze, the middle sister punched him straight in the face, and the, uh, the younger sister took off running straight off into the street. You know? And uh, I said, that must have been fun. That must have been fun to watch, just bang, and that reaction. Suddenly he's got a fist in his face, you know? And, yeah. um, and just the perfect responses, you know? Now, they're, they're the uh, three different types of the tarot. You know? So the wands one, my wand sister, she's thinking, oh, who's this? I see a threat, bang. And, um, and she's just like that, and she's still like that. It's just one of those things. Knowing, understanding the suits knows you how to uh, bring out the best in yourself. And when you're under pressure, you'll see it. So, for instance, once people, when they're under pressure, they think, I've got to do something. I can't just sit here. I've got to do something. They're not good at the waiting. You know? And so they're the people that climb the mountain because I just they got bored or they got frustrated. They just had to do something. You know? I'm going to dig my way out. I'm going to climb over the wall. You can't keep me here. So you know, one of the things that you talked about earlier was also you referenced, not only were you referencing suits, although you keep bringing them up. So I can see that that's an essential part of understanding how the tarot works is understanding the suits and how they connect to different people's personalities. But one thing that you did mention as well was numbers. Do people interpret numbers in a different way? Is there a right or a wrong way to do that? And then because tarot is so based on a certain system, do you have to know the exact meaning of numbers based on the original system? I think the meaning of numbers is important um, because I've seen people say it's a three card, so that could mean three days, three months, three years. Where do they get this stuff from? You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's just fantasy, you know? If you want to know when something's going to happen, you word the question differently. Will I purchase the house of my dreams before December the 30th this year? And if it's not, okay, you ask another question before uh, February the 15th next year, uh, before June the 30th next year, you know? So you word the question to uh, allow you to get a clarity of the answer. In numerology, and it's a, it's a pretty easy study to do, it's pretty straightforward. There's two, two versions of it. There's Pythagorean and there's Chaldean. And essentially, so numbers have a specific meaning. Ones are beginnings, twos uh, are receptive, uh, threes are growth, and it goes on like that. And it's the same way in the tarot. But when you get two or three, three or more, actually three or four um, of a particular number in a layout, and I'm talking a, a layout, not of 20 cards, but like five to 10 uh, to seven cards, you know? So I use a seven card layout. So if I had three threes or three fives or three tens in there, that has another meaning as well. So three threes would suggest to me growth and progress, three fives, a lot of change, three tens, contracts, documents, paperwork, you know? And so if I, for instance, saw, uh, say, six of pentacles, you could be getting a new job, and then I saw three tens, I'd say, all right, you definitely, there's a contract, there's a new, a new position, you're signing a contract with that. You know? uh, so in a, in a career question, for instance. And so knowing the, the layers of meanings helps you to, to narrow down other stuff and say, today, I think this means this. Mm. The guy who taught me the tarot didn't use his intuition. He said, uh, the system's so good, you don't need it. You know? Now, I know that people like descriptions of people in situations. I like, I like to think that if you just step in and get a bit more information intuitively, you add a bit more color and texture to the reading. You know? Yeah, but I think you can also be a little bit more specific, like you're saying, with contracts and things like that. You can start to yeah. narrow down yeah. a little bit more about the themes in the person's life, maybe more than... So it's, it's yeah. basically, you know, you're getting a bunch of information based on suits and maybe the picture on the card and the, the character that's on there. But then the number gives you an extra level, extra layer of information. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The thing with just reading intuitively is you have bad days or you sit down, the client does, you can't get a link easily with the client or you're, you're uncentered for the day if you're the reader. And then you just, you just don't know because the line between imagination and intuition is very, very fine. You know? And, um, and so what I do is when I'm teaching uh, psychic development training, I say, 
if you're in meditation, you're asking for information from guides or from somewhere else, you know, um, and you're getting specific, specific information, then always ask a test question before you finish the meditation. And the test question for me is, tell me something that will happen to me in my life in the next 48 hours. And I'm talking specific stuff, not like a friend will ring you. No, no, Janine will ring you on Thursday night. A friend will ring you. That's, that's I mean, that's, that's going to happen anyway, you know? Um, so uh, then if Janine doesn't ring me by Thursday night, that, and that's 48 hours after the, uh, my meditation, then I know that the other stuff I was told in the meditation is probably wrong. If she does ring before that time, then I know the stuff in the meditation is probably correct. Then I go back and look at what I've, I've written down because after the meditation, I'm always writing stuff down you know, because it, you, it slips away so quickly. You know? Yeah, I love that. So what kind of questions can you ask the tarot and is there a way to ask it versus not ask it? I mean, do you only ask yes or no questions or can you ask really sort of general? Lots of ways. So for instance, Relationships one of the big uh, areas that people ask questions. So I've written uh, my questions menu. I'm looking at my menu now. So uh, I got it down to six basic questions. Now, there are probably 15 or 20, but six is, uh, these are the, the ones that people tend to ask. The first is, what does the future hold for me in personal relationships generally? That means I haven't met Marianne, or I haven't met Bob, or you haven't met somebody, and there's not someone in your mind to ask about, but you want to know. I'm single, I want to know if I will love again, right? The second one, what does the future hold for my current relationships? Now, if there's someone you're in a relationship with, you want to know how you, you know, will we get married? This is, is this going to get serious? You know, What can I do to improve our relationship? So you're putting yourself in the picture there, not blaming, not hoping, but what can I do to encourage this, to make it thrive? Is it wise for me to pursue this relationship? Is it wise for me to pursue a relationship with so-and-so? So this is someone you have, you've met, but you haven't pursued a relationship and then finally, uh, actually, there are two more. Um, what is the underlying lesson for me in this relationship? So then you could be in a power struggle with your partner, in which case you, I need to learn this or this. And the final question will be, what's the underlying gift for me in this current relationship? You know, so sometimes we forget. People bring gifts in relationship, and, and mm -hmm. they can be uh, incredible things for us to, to move forward with, you know, to heal us from the past as well. Do you think it's important that people know about the future? That they know that information or i mean and also do you ever see people getting addicted to that information and not actually just going out there and living their life yeah i think terror addiction is a, a real thing uh people just they they give up the ability to do to sometimes to um determine things for themselves if you can make a good clear decision without using the cards do it that's brilliant you know? mm -hmm. it's just every now and again i've got a, a client in london he owns five uh, restaurants in london and what he'll do is he'll scout out for a new location. He'll, uh, he's very thorough. He, he will spend three or four days in a, in a week or so, uh, including the weekends, uh, sitting in a car watching the foot traffic. Is there enough foot traffic for this place? You know, and because um, he knows the costs, he knows the, the, the setup and he knows how uh, re restaurants are notorious for falling over. And uh, then he gets the right person. He says, you've got to have the right person running the restaurant because if you don't, there's going to be money going missing, there's going to be stock going missing, there's going to be all sorts of stuff, you know? So uh, then when he thinks he's got the right person, then he rings me and says, look, I've got an opportunity for a lease, I've got a name for it, and I've got this person to work for. Now, I want to know, will I get the lease? Is it worthwhile going ahead with this? Is he the right guy to run this, rest uh, run this restaurant? Because, the, because when you've got five, you can't be running them yourself. You know, and that's not the business he's in, you know, and um, and so it's just one more way to see if he needs to tweak anything before he makes his commitment. Right. Have you ever told him no? That's not the right answer, or not that no, you can't do that. And did he listen? Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's still his choice, so it's up to him whether he goes ahead with it or not. But I know he's been in the business long enough now uh, to know that that, like for instance, he he might spend two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars pounds. Fitting it out. That's half a million dollars Australian fitting it out, you know? And then all these the staff, 15, 20 people he's got to hire, you know? And uh, and and food going bad if he's, you know, he knows it can hemorrhage money very quickly because he's had that before in business in the past. And so he just, as long as you're accurate with him and as long as he can see that, uh, because he'll ask questions and not give you enough information. And then what I have to do is say, who's this guy? And who's this guy? Ah, oh, they've helped me with this, you know? And so he, what he needs to know that you're not just saying yes or no to, but you can see the, uh, the bigger picture that he's not telling you about. So uh, crafty, but a businessman, you know? So I think tarot readings are good if, I've, if you've got a plan, you're trying to, a uh, long-term plan, you're trying to make something happen and you want to know is this the right plan, you know? And if not, how can I tweak it? 
And if it's not, because it, some plans are long-term plans, they can waste 10, 15 years of your life. You know, that's a, that's a hard thing. You know, um, <laughs> An example of this, uh, some years ago, I read for a woman, uh, it would be about 14 years ago now, she came back again a year or two ago um, and said to me, it would have been three years ago, actually. She said, uh, 11 years ago, you read for me. Um, I just met a man, charismatic man. I, and you said, she said, it was a strange thing. You, you said to me, before you pursue this, go and have lunch with his former partner. And, and, uh, and I remember, because I used to say it a bit, and I don't say it now, uh, and it was, I would say, listen, it's going to cost you $300 for lunch, pay for it, because it could save you a lot of time, a lot of heartache. Anyway, oh. she didn't do this. And um, so she ended up marrying the man, having a couple of children with him. He was, ended up being a methamphetamine addict. Uh, he was bipolar, uh, a gambler, and had an addiction to mistresses. So uh, there are a few qualities in there you probably wouldn't want in a relationship partner. Anyway, she said, now I've got an AVO out against him and uh, he's not living at the house anymore. And she said, a month ago, I rang his ex-partner because he's always uh, criticizing her. I rang his ex-partner. We went and had lunch and she scared me. She said, did he do this? Did he do this? Did he have mistresses? Did he? And she listed off all the things that he'd done. And she said, I wish I'd taken your advice uh, 14 years ago because it would have saved me all this. And I said, well, no, the advice, the advice is what you paid for in the reading, acting on it. That's your free will, you know? And, um, and so sometimes something like that could actually save somebody a lot of time, but she might have still just gone ahead with it and thought, no, no, um, he just doesn't like his ex-partner. Maybe she wasn't a nice person. And I said, right. you don't know that. You're hearing one person's opinion of that. Yeah. And so um, I think about it from my own point of view. If I had a long-term, well, for instance, I'll ask sometimes in meditation, I've got a great idea for a book. I ask, I say, no, it's not myself. Well, if I want to write a book for myself and spend three years doing it, that's something you do in your 20s. It's not something you do at my age because I don't have that much time to write that many more books here now, mm. you know, and I've got to get to 18. I'm only at number 12. And um, so I, I've got to get this done before I, before I go. And so um, I'm not writing a book for me, you know. Paul, so just in sometimes relation. Sometimes getting a no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes getting a no is a good thing. Sometimes saying, no, this is not the right person. No, you won't get the job. No, you won't win any money. No, uh, you're not going to get a share of this inheritance, you know. You don't know that that's a bad thing, you know? And, um, and so I always say to students, you've got to get used to telling people no if that's what you see. Because if, you, give the, if you, you tell them what they want to hear, you're not helping them. Right. Okay. And then, but then based on what you said at the beginning as well, you also need to know how people want to be given that information. I have a question yeah, in relation to that story that you just shared. So I, I just feel like my listener at home is going, yeah, but then she got two kids and she probably loves them. And she wouldn't have got those kids if she had quit that relationship. It's true. But she could have had two children without somebody else. Yeah. She could have had two, two children without that man. And also I'm thinking about all the genetic things this person's passing down to in that family. Yeah. 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 That's totally true. No. Do you think that sometimes people have to work out their stuff though? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons people come for a reading. People come for a reading. Can you tell me what my life looks like from where you sit? Because hopefully you're objective and you're not in this. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. In, in the water. And you're, out, you're in the boat saying, well, oh, the water looks very salty. Is it salty? You know, and uh, that sort of thing. So hopefully that's the objectivity. Um, and, um, but we've really, I think the ultimate thing for the tarot is it helps you make better decisions. Good, if we all made good decisions in life, our lives would be brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's don't, true. You know, all of yeah. us, and and still, I'm, um, you know, and and particularly being a wands person myself, wands people learn by doing. They like to make every mistake, every scar, every bruise. It teaches them something. Where a mm -hmm. swords person can, a swords person can watch you fall into a, a hole or graze yourself on something. You know, they notice other people's mistakes and they learn from them. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a nice way to learn by reading, by watching. Yeah. Yes. What have you used tarot for, for yourself? Okay. Um, asking questions about, we uh, talked about books. So, for instance, the first book, I'd written the, the Tarot Reveal was my first book. I'd written it and I wanted to know who would publish it in Australia. And so, what I did was I went out to the bookshops and I found 11 publishers that did mind, body, spirit type of books. And then I cut the cards on them, all of them. And three of them said, it said yes to three of them. So, I sent the book off, the manuscript off to those three. And actually, all three said yes, they were interested. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Maybe I've made this up. So I sent it to the, to the other eight. I haven't heard from seven of them since then. That was 1994. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's 94. And, um, and uh, I heard back from one of them in 2001 saying, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we, we decline your manuscript. We don't think it has uh, uh, sufficient um, interest for the public. And I wrote back saying, that's great. Thank you for declining my manuscript. But actually, it's in its eighth reprint now. And uh, it's also in uh, two other languages. So but that's fine. You just, you know, because in the end, an editor's decision about a, a book is only their opinion. They really don't know. The public will tell you if they like something or not. So yeah. um, I was looking at the three different publishers. I was uh, talking to them. One of them was too small. I thought, no, no, I want an uh, international publisher if I can do that. You know? And then uh, it was about the 12th of December and I got a Christmas card from Simon & Schuster and everyone in the editorial department had signed this card. So all different colour pens, all different names and that sort of thing. I thought... This is really serious. These people, you know, uh, for them to get together and sign, I am not, I'm not, I haven't signed anything with them. I'm just somebody who sent them a manuscript. I thought, I want to go with these people. These are good. And so they published my first seven books over the next eight, nine years. And um, it was good, you know. But then people move on in publishing, things change. And, and we went through, I think, the GFC or something. Uh, I remember there was an, uh, an email went out to all the authors saying, we published 140-something books, I think they said, uh, last year, Australian uh, books, uh, not, take, not including the American ones from Simon Schuster, New York. And, um, and this year we will publish 14. And I thought, oh, it's wow. time to go. It's time to find somewhere else. You know? uh, because because they, just, they knew the market was tightening up. You know? mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so, uh, for instance, um, with my intuition book, you've got a copy of that one, so you've seen it. Yeah, um, it's so good. I, I put that. Uh, Alan and Lumber were the publisher. Of, uh, they'd republished Tarot Revealed, and they did Tarot Masterclass. Beautiful looking books uh, they are. And um, I took the intuition book in there, the manuscript, and she said, "No, I don't think this is going to sell." She said, "Can you take the first two chapters and make that into a book?" And um, I said, "No, you don't want to. You don't want to write about that. You want a columnist, and that's not me, you know." Uh, mm. And so I sat down for a while and thought. I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I publish it myself or how will I do this? And I was in Melbourne running a course and uh, a guy had done the course before, Jason, and he said to me, my partner uh, is a designer. She's doing the course now. And maybe at the end of the course, you could have a chat to her about uh, if you've got any other projects. And it was Christina Ree. And I, I didn't know who she was, but I, I noticed that the morning tea, someone said, are you that Christina Ree? You know, because she's a famous Australian designer, you know, but um, <laughs> hadn't done books. And uh, so afterwards, she said, let me have a look at it. And she just ripped up this design. And I said, oh, my God. Yes, yes. You know, and that book's been selling, uh, uh, increasing sales since 2011. So it's 11 years old and still selling steadily, which is great. So I had to ask the cards a few times. Is it wise to go to Christina? If I say no to Alan Lumwin, uh, and and don't write this book that they wanted me to write, which was, it was a strange book. She gave me the title, The Sixth Sense. There are five books and a film called The Sixth Sense. I thought, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm tired of writing beginner's things. It needed to be something a little bit more advanced, you know, because a lot of people who come to intuition books have already got some experience. Yes. You know, and yes. that sort of thing. So you're asking question, 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 to refine things, you know, and um, yeah. Uh, and there've been a lot, a lot of times when I've had ideas for a guide of meditations and the uh, meditation have said no, or the cards have said no, and you just, I put it aside, you know. It's just one of those things, you know, save yourself some time. You know? Yeah. When you choose your tarot decks, do you, do you tend to gravitate towards a particular kind of deck or do you only use a specific deck? Okay. I only use one deck. I started with a ride awake deck. That's the only deck I've ever used. Um, I like it. It's got all the symbology in there. Uh, it's not the most beautiful pictures. There are lots of uh, 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 other types of decks with, with great pictures. But to me, the tarot is a tool. So they last about 18 months because every client who sits down shuffles the deck and they touch every card in the deck in, uh, in a specific uh, shuffling uh, pattern that I ask them to do. So my cards get filled with everyone else's energy. And so um, uh, uh, I've got to clear them out. And also because when people sit down at first, they're often nervous, which means their sweaty hands are touching the cards, so the cards get filthy very quickly, and um, and they lose their spring. And uh, when you're shuffling them, they're not they're not so uh, they don't shuffle so easily. And so I will then retire them and get another pack. So um, I always have a couple of spare packs you know, in case I need to break out a new one at any point. And um, they're a tool. Uh, people can get uh, very attached to them. I know. I, I know of uh, students who've got you know, 60, 70 tarot decks and that sort of thing, but you're not reading the 70 decks. You know, people always come back to one or two that they like. And that's fine if you like collector's things. I collect teapots. But, um, <laughs> but uh, with these, 
it's just a tool, you know? So uh, that's the tool I use as one of the tools for, because different types of tools in readings narrow readings down in different ways. So palmistry is whole life. Tarot is good for the next two years or so, you know? but you wouldn't ask 20 year questions of the tarot. It's, it's, it's not suited for that, you know? And so different yeah. types of tools or systems I focus the reading in different ways. So mediumship can help you with people who, uh, who are deceased, you know, and that sort of thing. And pure clairvoyance can take you forward to the end of your life and, and go back to childhood, pick any date, any time, you know, just have a look. You know? oh, so wow, different tools. Nice. And I love the tarot because even uh, days when your intuition doesn't work, if you know your meanings of the cards, it's, it's like uh, I've forgotten all my jazz uh, chords now and I'm just going back to playing piano, you know, and it, but you can still play. Mm. Yeah, that's right. so good. When you retire a deck, Paul, do you throw it out? Yeah, okay. So uh, when I retire a deck, usually I get four or five over the years and then I'll burn them all. Um, okay. I don't throw them out because if someone picks up a deck that you've used for a couple of years, I've got a, a psychic cord straight to you, bang. Mm. You know? And uh, you don't invite people in like that. That's not good, you know. Um, and so um, that's what I'll do. And I always laugh because I always think to myself, you know, um, it, when I lived in my last house in Lane Cove, I had an open fire, so I actually just would light a fire and throw them in for two at a time, you know? And I thought, this is the time when the Seventh-day Adventists are going to knock on the door and see the devil card flying into the fire and think, oh, my God! <laughs> you know? And, uh, and it's just one of those things. But, but they're just they're tools, you know? And so, like all tools, you know, like there's no point in me holding on to them. Why, you know? Yeah, burning it is a great is a great idea as opposed to throwing it out. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm curious too about how you cleanse your deck and also how you connect with your deck. Cause I remember when I was younger, I read that you're supposed to, you know, put your deck under your pillow when you first get it or beside your bed to kind of like develop a bit of a connection. But you just said earlier that you, you know, you have a couple decks on hand that you might need to just start using it right away. And I personally don't yeah. sleep with my decks. I do go through every card and I look at them and how beautiful they are. And then I start using them right away. So I guess I'm just wondering what you personally do. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't sleep with them because uh, uh, during the night they could slip down and then you've got all these curved cards, you know, you've been sleeping on them, you know, yeah. or you get a bad neck in the morning and you wake up, you know, uh, it's, it's, I've got tarot neck, you know, uh, are you going to you raking in a new deck? Are you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, your osteopath saying, oh, good. I love it when you break in a new deck because you, you're coming to see me three times in a week. You know? Because it's the same deck as I normally use, same type of deck, I just bring it out and start. Just suddenly it's, it's like someone's cleaned the screen on your TV and it's all shiny again. And it's nice. Yeah. I, I have a, a large deck, you know, one of the large size decks uh, just for teaching. And um, they're great because I like, uh, I like to pick a, a student with small hands and hand them over and say, shuffle these and don't drop them. You know, ah, it's that sort of feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, different, whatever works for you, I think. See, I'm not sentimental, but I don't see them as like, this is, this is my uh, tarot deck and it's special. No, this is a deck that was produced in a factory. It's got these patterns on it. The patterns are the important thing. Uh, uh, yes. I'm going to use this to give readings. Well, I mean, in a way, you, you sound a little bit clinical in terms of that it's a tool that you're using, that you're reading. But I mean, very often the... Yeah clairvoyance stuff coming through is kind of like that additional magical element that you can add to it. But I mean, yeah. I do have a lot of Oracle decks and I have some tarot as well. And I just really connect with them through the artwork. Uh, yeah. See, with Oracle decks, there's some beautiful artwork, isn't it? Yeah. yeah with, with some of those decks. It's just, it is. And so in which case that could inspire you, putting them all out around you and just looking at them, that, that can be an inspiration itself. But that's different from uh, clinical practice where someone's here for 55 minutes or 60 minutes yeah. and you've got to get through all of this stuff in that time and they're paying for it. It's, it's a very different thing. Uh, I yes. can never get it through to students who haven't given paid readings that when you're giving paid readings, the pressure never goes away. You get better at it, but the pressure is always there. You know, the expectation, the pressure, and that feeling of I've got to do the best I can do. I've got to give them what I can give them today to help them. And you can't yeah. always, sometimes people walk away and you feel like I could have done more. You know? and, and other times people walk away and they couldn't hear you. You know? And mm -hmm. you think, wow, I hope they hear, the, hear it when they hear the CD. You know? And I've had people who've said, um, uh, no, I don't think that was right for me. And so they... They uh, don't even ask for the recording. They say, oh, "Look, don't send me the recording. This is this is not for me." And you just wonder what's happened after that. How 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 have things unfolded for them? You know? Yeah. Because you've told them something they didn't want to hear. You know? Yeah. And I have a policy. It's a joke, but I have a policy. Lies cost extra. I say, if you want me to lie, I can do a bad Scottish accent, passable German accent, but it's going to cost you more. <laughs> you know? 
because yeah. now we're in the realms of fiction, you know, and we're storytelling, you know, and uh, and that's a bit of a dangerous thing because, um, yeah, how far do you go with? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And I mean, really, you're using tarot as a helpful tool to help people actually, uh, you know, remove pain and remove obstacles and not spend 10 years with the wrong person. So, you know, you are using yeah. it in a way as, as something that's supposed to help and uplift people. When people are choosing a tarot reader, what do you think they should be looking for? Well, I would normally say, if you can, ring them and have a quick talk to them, just a two-minute conversation. You know, it's just, yeah. you can get a sense of the person. But their ads will tell you the thing too, because there are five types of readers. There's the mystical reader. And so that's the uh, gypsy sort of woman, a lot of hair, um, uh, incense burning. And she's, uh, she's on a journey. We're all on a journey. And that's great. It's a, like a refresher sometimes when you feel like I'm too bogged down by this unpaid tax bill and, and the dent in the car and that sort of thing. You know, suddenly um, someone's reminding me about the journey, the spiritual journey. Then there's another type of reader that's uh, uh, a direct reader, which is a wands type. Uh, they're coaching, they're, they're bossing around and telling what to do. Then there's the cups reader that offers you compassion. Then there's a life patterns reader, the swords reader who says, do you, do you notice this is the fourth time you've had a boss that's done this to you? And it's the sixth time if you include those other that those two training situations, you know? And so they're looking at the patterns and asking, well, what's your share in this dance? You know, mm -hmm. if I waltz a new tango, we can't have a relationship because we're dancing different dances. But if we both waltz, we're in that dance, in which case you need to know the steps and I need to know them. Whereas you take a step, I take a step. And so uh, showing people what their share is in staying in a bad job or a bad relationship or getting into another bad one, you know, you know? and things like that. And um, and then you've got the Pentacles person who's who's saying, okay, uh, this is how you can secure your income to have the family life that you want to make sure you have a safe life. And and when you retire, you're earning more income than when you're when you're working. You know, a, a comfortable life. You know, the the difficulty with that is sometimes the pursuit of comfort uh, is not the pursuit of happiness. You know, of a deep uh, fulfillment reward. You know, and mm -hmm. so. You can make yourself comfortable on the outside, but sometimes on the inside, your spirit still needs more. I think that's really interesting. Actually, I'm even reflecting on people that I see sometimes on Instagram because sometimes people, you know, who are tarot or, or tarot readers, yeah, they do have themes. Like some of them are all about money. Yeah, yeah. And so different people have different, different types of things. And so you, it depends on what's going on for you. Um, and so, sometimes you want to read it that sees life the same way as you. And sometimes you want someone who sees it differently from you so they can shock you a little bit into, into saying, have you looked at this? You know, did you notice you're doing this again? Or you're mm -hmm. still doing this? You know, that sort of thing. And that's, that's hard because you've got to do it in a way that's not judgmental because you don't know what, how, you know, if someone's limping in their lives in some way and they can't see what they're doing, you can't see it until you see it. You know, uh, that old saying that the neurotic never sees the obvious. We're all guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. I know you do a lot of mentorship with your students and, uh, or like people come to you for mentorship. So what kind of people do you normally work with and what attracts them to tarot? Yeah. Sometimes they have a great reading from somebody. They think, wow, I would like to better do this. Have you ever seen that? Like somebody who dances really well and you think, wow, I'm taking dancing lessons or someone who plays the piano brilliant and you think, oh, that's it. I'm booking lessons. You just get inspired, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just feel like maybe I could help people. Maybe this is a way I could, uh, uh, help people. I um, had a, a student years ago, she's passed away now. Um, she was a 66 when she came for the first tarot course. Now I had a policy, I, I still have it, but it's a, it's a reduced fee, one third of the fee to repeat it. So if you pay the full price the first time, if you want to come back and do it a couple more times, just because you didn't get it all the first time, because I speak quickly and uh, all that sort of thing. Um, I, basically I'm saying, I'm trying to turn out readers. So if it takes two or three attempts and she took three attempts, then that's what it takes. As long as you become a good reader, and she did. So she said, "Look, I'm 66. Uh, I'm retired. I haven't got enough money for uh, uh, to support myself properly. My husband's passed away." She said, "I just want a part-time job, a couple of days a week, maybe even two half days, you know." And she said, she, uh, "I want to do some tarot reading." So she did. After uh, she repeated the course a couple of times, she went off and she started doing the two days. And um, she said, "I can't believe it. I've got silver hair, and people think that's an asset. I think that's wisdom." Yeah. I said, yeah, I can't wait, you know, because I was, I was about 35 at the time or so, you know, and, um, and uh, it's, it's amazing what becomes an asset then. And she said it was, it was good. And she did, got about seven years of work from home and, uh, and she lived in a, um, a mid-sized town on the north coast, uh, north of Sydney. And um, 
And she said, word just got out. I didn't have to advertise. Word just got out. People told people and they came to see me. You know? And then she had a couple of strokes and had to stop. Mm. Uh, but um, she said it gave her the life she wanted. She, was, she wasn't visible anymore. She had a meaningful way of earning an income. And she felt like she was helping people. And I thought, wow, all those different ways of being paid. Oh, that's so cool. And then you get to do your, your hobby, like your passion as well for a living, which is really pretty much the dream. Yeah. And I had the reverse of that. A Pentacles guy, he was 50. So that's many years ago now. And he'd been in real estate for a long time. And he said, I've worked very hard. I've saved up. I've bought a few uh, residential properties that I rent out. And now I'm ready to go and pursue the tarot. So he said, I, I've got, already got an income. I don't need it for income. What I'd like to do is something I'd like to do now. And so you did it the Pentacles way. First, you pay everything off. Then you get an income stream or two. And then you go off and do the things you love to do for the rest of your life. You know, 50s is a nice time to start into that. Like you've got plenty of years. Yeah. You know? and, um, and so off he went. He was studying the tarot. He studied astrology. He studied a whole range of things. Uh, but he could afford to do it in his own time without any pressure. And if he only saw one person a month, that would be fine for him. Oh, I thought, wow, I, I, I'm not as patient as that. But he, he had to wait until he was, he was 50 working hard, knowing that that was his dream and he'd come to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can, I admire that sort of dedication, but I wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't be me necessarily putting my dreams on hold. Yeah. No. So can you see now you can, how you can, your type's not a pentacles type? Yeah. Know? And um, so, yeah, so the swords people would be too impatient. The ones people would be too impatient. The cuts yeah. people would be hoping that someone would support them, look after them, hold their hand through it because they get a bit uh, nervous about it themselves, you know. And um, when I'm uh, teaching cut students, I always say to them, you don't realise it. Kindness and compassion, they're undervalued, you know. Um, you offer your clients that and they don't care about the predictions. You heard me, you understood me, you comforted me. That's yeah. a powerful thing. Yeah. You know? And you're not making that up. These people are just naturally compassionate people. They will feel what you're going through. They'll, they'll be trying not to cry with you, you know? And, yeah. um, and it just, it's just a beautiful thing when someone's there who says, it must have been very painful for you to go through this, you know? Mm. And I can see the scars are still there or you're still healing from this, you know? And someone who's, who's understanding. It's like a therapy session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I love the tarot for that. And, um, and I try not to get lost too much in the esoteric side of it because um, it's possible. I remember seeing a guy give a reading and it was one of those readings that it was so heavenly it was of no earthly use. You know, it's talking about all this stuff that's happening up there. But a person's got to live this life. We're in this life. We've got to live this life. You know? yeah. That's not denying what's going on beyond this life. Time, gravity, temperature, income, they're all important things. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're living the human experience. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paul, we are already at our hour. I mean, God, that just flew by. Is there anything that I didn't ask you? I know it's, I don't know how we could even really cover a career of tarot in an hour, but I think we did a pretty great job. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that you didn't bring up? Any tips that you have for people that are, might be interested in exploring this? this avenue i yeah what i'd suggest is if you're giving tarot readings just for practice you like uh, normally uh, i always say to students before you can sit your assessment you have to do uh give 50 readings and log them down i give them a tarot log you can download it from my website you know? and uh and they start off being 15 minute readings and they're 30 and they're 45 minutes at least you know and so the first five or six might be 15 minute readings but what they're doing is they're not just getting familiar with the, with the routine, with the layout of the card, with the meanings of the cards. You give 30, 40, 50 readings and you start using intuition anyway. And you'll be surprised. I remember when I was about, uh, so I had learned at 24, I was about 27, a lady sits down and all I could see was seven cards all the time. I could get nothing. I thought, whoa, this is strange. How come she's sitting there? And I normally just launch off. I've got plenty to say. I've got nothing to say today. And I realized I've been using my intuition all this time, building it up. And she sat down and she looked at me and the, she asked, she didn't ask it straight away. But the question I always used to hear was, how long have you been doing this? Because, you know, she was in her 50s. I'm 27. She's thinking, do I trust this guy? He looks like he, he looks like yeah. a schoolboy, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I got to the point where I started saying to people, I said to one lady one day, um, well, including my mom, you're my second client. You know, and the look on her face of, oh my God, just paying the money and leave, you know? And, um, and then I burst out laughing. I just couldn't help it. And uh, of course, as I, I've got great people, stop asking me, you know, how long have you been doing it? So um, if you give tarot readings regularly, you'll develop your intuition naturally anyway. 
you know. So then you're combining intuition with the tarot card meanings. But it always pays to have the meanings to hand because there'll be days when you can't use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that tip as well about practicing like myself. I'm working on my mediumship and my clairvoyance readings, and I've just been practicing yep. for free for people. And what I learn every time is, you know, number one, I don't have the pressure of people paying me. So I feel like I can deliver yep. a better reading because I'm, because they're happy. They know that I'm practicing, but also people yeah. are so different. Every reading is really different. And I'm learning something every time. Did you find that when you got started? Or do you see that in your yeah. students? Yeah, I, I see that sometimes too. Um, but also um, I, I always point out to people when, when you're practicing for free, they don't listen as much. When they pay more money, they oh, listen more. Okay. And I learned yep. this in London when we were giving 15 pound readings up to 55 pound readings. And, um, and for the expensive readings, people listen to everything you say. For the cheap readings, they're only half listening, you know, and um, and that's okay, you know. Yeah, you, uh, I just I just learned. Look, it's not about me; it's about them. And there's a recording; they can hear it at some stage, you know. For yes. some reason, they, they're here, but they can't hear me, you know. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't happen very often, but you know, um, and um, yeah. So um, yeah, you're right. So you're learning. You're paying attention. When you, I say, doing is learning if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know? so that's why the, the 50 readings or 100 readings uh, to really become familiar with the whole process you know and i'm talking about a minimum 30 minutes sitting down a general readings question after question after that you know yeah. so uh in an hour i get through five questions but in 30 minutes you'll get through two or three you know? mm-hmm. and uh, and it gets to the point where you can say where at the end of our third reading it must be 35 minutes past the hour now Mm-hmm. Know, in the first layout, you know, a third layout of the uh, 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 general reading of two questions. And so you know where you should be looking at the clock, you know, on the clock uh, according to it. Now, you know, I'm not rigid with that because sometimes the first layout requires a lot of expl- uh, explanation and that sort of thing. But um, usually it's it's got a pattern to it. It's got a feel to it, you know? Yeah. And uh, you see, when you're doing them free with friends, also you've got the luxury of being able to do it as long as you like or as short as you like. You know? yeah. So if you get a good link, to a, a friend or a stranger, you can just keep going if you wanted to, but um, you can't in, in um, practice, you know, in, in paid practice because, you know, um, my longest reading, my past reading was three hours and 15 minutes, probably because the client wouldn't go home. Just was, it was all about her and she wanted to stay and stay and stay. And it got to the point where I, I stood up, I turned off the recorder, I opened the blind, opened the window, I almost climbed out the window and walked around until I remembered I live here. <laughs> You can't leave your own house because someone won't go home. Yeah. And uh, I remember a saying that a lady used to say in London where I worked, or worked in London. She said, lovely, I've lost the connection now. You have to come back another day. No, it's all gone. No, it's gone. You know? oh, and once so in my life I used that. I thought someone's not going home. And I just thought, look, you've got to go home now. You know, um, Our time is finished. You know? And just sometimes people don't have good boundaries. Oh, that's really good. I'm going to use that tip. And beginner clairvoyance. Beginner psychics are the worst ones for boundaries. Self-taught psychics have no boundaries at all. They walk up to strangers and say, I'm picking up something about you. Excuse me, yeah, I didn't invite no. you in. Yes. And no. so yes. I, 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 in day one of psychic development training, I'm saying, don't do that. If you do that, don't tell anyone I had anything to do with teaching you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give me a bad reputation for your bad habits. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Paul. It's been great. I love all your stories and your information. It's just like, it's it's really awesome. So thank you so much for being here. I will put a link for our listener at home in the show notes so that they can connect with you if they're interested in getting a reading or joining um, some of your mentorships. And also they can get your books on your website as well. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.